brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Election College, episode number 279. Warren G. Harding. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, here we are. We're like almost at episode 300, and I just don't even know what to think anymore. I, <laughs> I was just about to think the same thing, but um, the main thing that I'm thinking about right now is the G in Warren Harding's name, uh-huh. Gamaliel. Like, dude, you don't hear too many people named Gamaliel. That's a baller name if I ever heard one. You think his parents not maybe it's terrible i'm not sure i mean his parents were probably like let's people are going to be talking about this for like 150 years into the future and it's more than 150 years and we're talking about gamaliel right now gamaliel well gamaliel or warren g harding as we'll call him harding probably for the most part uh was born back in 1865 as most good true blue politicians in Blooming Grove, Ohio. Well, I guess not in Blooming Grove, but in Ohio. I was about to say, uh, is that like the <laughs> everything blooms, you know? They, that, it's no. the Mecca. Yeah, it's the presidential Mecca. Uh, whenever he was a kid, they did not call him Gamaliel or G. They called him Winnie. Um, I'm not sure where they got that from. You know, Warren, Winnie, I guess the W is similar. But anyway, he was the oldest kid, and uh, he had seven younger siblings, and uh, his his uh, dad was George. His mom was Phoebe, and they have a farm. They uh, they're farmers. <laughs> they, his dad also teach <laughs> uh, teaches high school uh, in general in uh, Mount Gilead, Ohio. And then later on, he's like, you know what? I think I'm also going to maybe be a doctor. And he has a little small practice there. Uh, his mother, incidentally, is a is a licensed midwife, so they're both kind of in the medical profession. And there you go, happy little family coming from some Dutch ancestors, and uh, as well as some ancestors from Scotland, from England, from Wales. There was a long time where people thought that maybe Harding had been of African-American descent as well, and that his great-great-grandfather was involved with uh, someone who was African-American. But it turns out that was just a rumor that somebody who was trying to get something over on him was using. So about four or five years after Winnie is born, I can't, anytime I hear Winnie, I think of two things, Winnie the Pooh, of course, and then Winnie Cooper. Uh, Remember Winnie Cooper? Winnie Cooper, for sure. Yeah. So several years after Warren is born, uh, most of his family who were abolitionists moved to Caledonia, Ohio. And in the family, they own this newspaper called the Argus. 
And from around the time that Warren was 11 years old, he learns how the newspaper business is run. And by the time he's 14 years old, he enrolls at Ohio Central College in Iberia, Ohio. And he did very well. He and his friend had a small newspaper that they started called the Iberia Spectator. And during their final year at Ohio Central, they decide to make this newspaper kind of a big deal. And uh, meanwhile, his family back at home decide, hey, we don't like this home anymore. Let's move to Marion, uh, which is only like six miles, not that far. And when he graduates in 1882, he's like, I think Marion looks like a fair enough city. I'll move in there. And just to back up for a second, uh, we know that, you know, in the in the olden days, as we call them now, the age of going to college was a bit younger. But even at the age of 14, even, even in those days, 14, going to college, uh, going to university, as some people would call it, really is a big deal. And for him to do well at an advanced age and to even start out with some entrepreneurial journalistic ideas is a pretty big deal. Uh, so I want to point that out for sure. Yeah. So he's good looking. He's got the whole newspaper thing going and he's, he's pretty smart. So when he graduates, he has some different jobs growing up, you know, through that time period. Uh, he starts out with a teacher as a teacher. Uh, he becomes an insurance salesman. Uh, he does take a stab at studying some law, but he decides that you know, he likes this entrepreneurship thing. So they raise about 300 bucks, um, him and some friends, he and some friends, and purchase a newspaper, the Marion Star. And the Marion Star is not particularly doing well. It's kind of weak. It's the last of the three newspapers, the, the lowest of the three newspapers. It was the only paper that came out every day. The paper, <laughs> when he bought the paper, it came with a pass that was he was able to use uh, to go on the railroad pretty much anytime he wanted, pretty much anywhere he wanted. And he uses that pass in 1884 to head on down to the Republican National Convention. You know, he's a journalist. He's going to get to know some other journalists. He's going to uh, do some networking. But he also wants to be there to support the nominee, who is James Blaine, who had been the Secretary of State previously. And when he gets home from that, he finds out, oh, crap, the sheriff took back the paper because well, probably some bills were not getting paid. Yeah, can you imagine? So <laughs> what do you do when the sheriff takes over your newspaper? Uh, you go work for the other one. And he goes to work for the Marion Democratic Mirror. And he was encouraged to heap praise upon... Grover Cleveland, which was kind of hard to do because, you know, Cleveland, he's a Democrat. Uh, Cleveland ends up winning that election, of course. And he's like, great, I'm not, I'm just not happy here. So dad comes along. He says, hey, Winnie, G, buddy, Warren, here's some cash. Go back. Go do it. Build the star back up. And so that's exactly what he does. In the 1880s, Warren G. Harding makes the Marion star exactly what it needs to be. Now, the thing about Marion that you need to know in this era is it was a predominantly Republican area. 
you know, you got the whole abolition thing going on. You got the the nationalistic federal union. We love everything that the Republican Party stands for. He is like, okay, I understand the demographic um, of the town is Republican. Uh, he also understands, though, that Marion County tended to lean more Democrat. So what he does is he says, okay, the star is going to be nonpartisan. And he comes out and he says, I'm, I'm a moderate Republican. And everybody's happy, right? Because they've got this objective newspaper. The thing you need to realize, too, about newspapers up until this point, they were very much aligned with different parties. So this was kind of a, a different thing to have a, a nonpartisan paper. So during this time, Harding gets introduced to Florence King. And Florence is about five years older than he is, and her father is a local banker. Uh, he's a property developer as well, and his name is Amos. Amos is pretty much a guy who, you know, he's like the guys in the movies. He gets his way. He does what he wants. But Warren Harding saying, no, I'm a journalist. I'm going to basically call you out for anything I don't like. He pretty much attacks him relentlessly. You can just imagine that Kling was not a big fan of this. Well, he involves his daughter pretty much in everything that he does and takes her to work all the time. And you know, growing up, it was a big influencer over her. So she is a lot like him. You know, they both have kind of a stubborn attitude and they don't really get along very well, even though they had been very tight before after she gets back from college. So she picks up, she moves, uh, she elopes with Pete DeWolf and... After a while, she comes back to town to Marion without her new husband, but she does have a son with her named Marshall. And the father, Amos, says, that is Florence's father, says, yeah, I'll help you raise Marshall, but I won't support you because I don't like what you did. I don't like what you do. And so she is actually a piano teacher at that time. Well, during that time where she's a piano teacher, long way to get there, uh, <laughs> she is teaching Warren Harding's sister named Charity. Uh, later on, Florence Kling gets a divorce, and she and Warren Harding start to court. And a little while later, they're, uh, they're a thing. Yeah. It was all during this period, too, where Amos starts accusing the Harding family of having African-American blood. And he was offended by Harding's editorial stances that he took. So he's the guy who is the first one to spread rumors of Harding's, uh, you know, black heritage and uh, encourages other businessmen to boycott uh, any of the Harding's business interests. And uh, Harding wasn't too happy about that. He said, hey, Kling, I'll beat the tar out of that little man if he doesn't <laughs> cease. So I don't know. Probably not as fierce looking as Andrew Jackson, but no, still, he's pretty tall guy Harding was. And, yeah. you know, he probably could mess a few people up. Um, anyway, <laughs> for some reason, I, I, I am thinking of a president messing people up because one of our buddies, uh, Professor uh, James Early, he, uh, in his American History Fanatics group, had on Facebook, they 
did this presidential flight, not flight, fight podcast that he's got going on. And these podcast episodes are like six minutes long. And they talk about what was going on in the Facebook group about which president could beat up the other president. Kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. Look it up. Presidential fight podcast. You know, with Harding being kind of a, I kind of see him as like, you know, a little snobbish, a little I'm a better than you kind of guy. I imagine him having the fighting stance of the the fighting Irish mascot. I was just thinking that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Need, so anyway, just to say they don't fight. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Go look up that podcast too, though. We need to start doing that, plugging other people because there's a lot of cool podcasts that are related to us. Yeah. So if you've got a great podcast. Look us up on Twitter and let us know about it or in our Facebook group. We'll tell you about that later. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. So anyway, uh, Harding, he is very much into politics and supporting uh, Republicans, uh, namely uh, Four Acre, uh, who was the very well-known gubernatorial candidate for uh, the Ohio uh, governorship. He supported uh, Senator John Sherman, who was an Ohio senator. Uh, of course, all these guys are Ohio, right? So Harding, he's just tearing it up. The paper's growing, and he's getting so involved in it that he's really driving himself out of his mind. He suffers from exhaustion, and uh, between 1889 and and keep in mind, in 1889, he's 23 years old. And 1901, he spent five times at the Battle Creek Sanatorium because of fatigue, overstrain, and nervous illnesses. And they attribute some of the stress that he probably subjected himself to uh, to actually killing him eventually. We can talk about that later. But anyway, Florence, she takes over when Warren isn't running the paper and she becomes Warren's top assistant on at the star. And she's doing that until they move to Washington in 1915. Yeah. And he takes to calling her the Duchess, affectionately calling her the Duchess because she really kept a close eye on money and she ran things and was kind of the top dog in a lot of ways. So, like Jason said, he has a lot of issues with his health, but he still decides, for whatever reason, whatever crazy person would decide to run for office, who knows, but he still decides that he wants to run for office. And he had met uh, William Jennings Bryan previously on the floor of the House of Representatives, and, you know, he does a lot of traveling to meet political figures and stuff like that. And he says, you know, I think I'm going to try again to go into politics and into elective office. And he, he's really got an interest in this since he starts the paper, since he buys the paper. And so he runs, he wins, he gets a two-year term, and nobody really knows who he is. 
uh, at the beginning. But by the end, he has done such a job of not only making a name for himself, but, you know, putting himself out there for different things, that he is one of the most popular, or at least most well-known, individuals in that kind of sphere. And most of the time, people don't really, the, the state senators, especially in Ohio, don't really want to serve more than one term. I mean, a lot of them were just there to do a little bit of a, a civic duty and then go back to normal life. But he gets renominated and he wins a second term, wins by more of a margin. Uh, this is just after President McKinley had been assassinated. And so people are like, what do we do? We're not really interested in politics, but we also know it's important. So uh, Harding kind of becomes part of the machine. And unfortunately, he kind of really falls into that thing that's probably pretty commonplace now, but was definitely less commonplace at the time, where, you know, it's pretty much political favors for political favors. And, you know, here's a little money or help on this end, and we'll get you back on the other side kind of thing. So it really kind of starts going down a darker path. Yeah. I mean, he's building the system like, you know, hey, do this for me. Hey, here's some railroad tickets and here's a Ooh. job for your sister and things like that. So, yeah, during this time as a senator, he meets Harry Dougherty, who really begins to take a major role in the political life of Harding. And Dougherty says, this guy, you know what? He would make a great looking president. And uh, that's kind of a little prophecy, right? Foreshadowing. Yeah. Did we just spoil? Nobody's going to want to listen to future episodes. That's all right. Okay, well, you know he's going to win the presidency eventually. But <laughs> before he's got to do that, he's going to work his way up the ranks in the Buckeye State. So in 1903, through a series of events, Harding, who wanted to be governor, does not become governor. But he does become lieutenant governor. And that's all well and good. But the governor, Herrick, he was a very weak governor. And you know George Cox, right? Like the Cox family, they're kind of a big deal if you're a Democrat in Ohio in the early part of the 20th century. You got him just being like, yeah, there's a lot of corruption going on in the Republican Party. Then you've got William Howard Taft, who is kind of a big deal on the national scene. And you've got Harding. And what ends up happening is you got about a decade where Harding tries, but he just can't win. He does not become governor. And eventually, with all of the factions going on in the Republican Party and all of the attacks coming from the Democrats, nothing happens until 1914. And that is when Harding becomes the senator from Ohio. That's right. And so, you know, moving up, you're going to be senator. We know he's going to be president someday, but you're going to have to wait until the next episode to find out more about that because that's all we have time for right now. But if you go over to iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review with maybe some nice words thrown in there as well, we would love you. And I mean, you probably already love us if you're going to do that for us. So we, we appreciate that. But it makes us do a happy dance. And, you know, that's fun. Yeah, kind of like the happy dance Harding was probably doing on the side that we haven't talked about yet. Ooh. Yeah, because, you know, somebody this week is going to say, but you didn't talk about that. And, well, we'll get to that. We'll get there. Hey, Come like on. That. Hey, Jim, stop it. Jim, knock that off. We'll talk about it, okay? Yeah. 
Thanks. <laughs> so, hey, everybody. Um, talk to us over on the Facebook group. Guys, we've been really busy lately with um, Ben doing all the mayor stuff and me painting my house like a banshee because, you know, we're going to sell our house and move into an RV. This is really happening. So do hop on um, over to electioncollege.com slash group and hang out with us. Uh, We'll be there. We'll respond to you. And uh, who knows? We might have a giveaway this week. Mm, Sounds interesting. Thanks for participating and listening and uh, just staying loyal to the show. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you in the next episode and find out more about Warren G for Gamaliel Harding. You just wanted to say Gamaliel. I did. I really did. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.